Travels with Charlie is paid for by Jolly Convenience Stores, Mill Travel American Express, and Casella Waste. The views and opinions expressed in Travels with Charlie do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to wdev at radiovermont.com. Well, it's all about all the folks you meet. Sitting in a diner or out in the street. Catch up with the news. Get your point of view. I want to hear what unravels. I'll see you in my travels. And once again, thanks to my good friend, Billy Bratcher, for uh, creating, writing that song and then singing the Travels with Charlie theme song. Good afternoon. Welcome to Travels with Charlie. Another great program lined up for you today. We're going to tell you about that in just a moment. But first uh, and foremost, thanks to the sponsors of Travels with Charlie. This show would not happen without their support and without their help. I hope that you support them as well. Casella Waste Systems, casella.com, zero sort recycling, helping to keep it out of the landfill. And, of course, Jolly Convenience Stores with hot coffee, sandwiches, snacks, and, of course, fuel for your car as well as your belly. Home of the Daily Smile, Milne Travel, milnetravel.com. Been doing that since 1975. And, of course, Myers Bagels. Yeah. The new location, 408 Shelburne Road in Burlington. They're open from 6 to 2 each day. Check it out with Montreal-style wood-fired bagels. They're hand-rolled and honey-boiled, and they are absolutely delicious. Well, great show lined up for you today. We've got uh, the new owners of WDEV, Scott Milne and Myers Mermel. They're going to be joining me in the second half, and Jeff Weld will be with me as well today with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. My first guest today is the president of the Vermont Retail and Grocers Association and the executive director of the Vermont Specialty Food Association, Aaron Segrist. Joining me in studio today, Aaron, nice to see you Hi, today. Charlie. So great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, my pleasure. And, and of course, uh, we were talking just before... Before we went on, the last time that you and I did an interview was right in the midst of COVID. And this is uh, for the uh, the Travels with Charlie video series, which, again, you can see Charlie uh, underscore Papillo on the Instagram as well as WDEVradio.com. All of those videos are there along with the former uh, shows here, a podcast of this program. But we did that right in the midst of COVID. And, boy, that was Really trying times for retail when you think about it. You know, everyone was wearing masks. Stores had to all of a sudden put up glass partitions. They couldn't find help, and we couldn't find toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, back in back in those times, I have to. I have to think that we probably looked younger, but maybe more tired, (laughs) you know, but we made it through and everyone has toilet paper, fingers crossed, and we've survived, thank God, and we're here today. Well, nationally, some of the trends that we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of chains that are pulling out of communities or or they're locking their doors now uh, due to shoplifting and some Places they're putting everything in glass cases, you know, things that you wouldn't even expect people to steal, like they say shaving items and toothpaste and stuff like that. I don't think we've seen any of that in Vermont yet, have we, Aaron? We actually have. We have, unfortunately. Um, last I looked, the national uh, numbers were sixty-eight to seventy billion dollars in theft every year that we're facing, and I. I 
think most recently that has skyrocketed probably closer to 90 billion nationally. Um, unfortunately, we are seeing a significant uptick um, here in Vermont. We've got a lot of people coming in from Massachusetts yeah. and over from New York and up from Boston. And I think you're hearing about it even more also. You know, retailers, not just large retailers, but small retailers, yeah. they're all frustrated. Um, you know, and it's not just the Burlington area. We're hearing about it from across the state. And they're knocking in doors. They're busting windows, you know, and these small retailers in all corners of Vermont, they're they're losing money on, on the regular um, and they're facing a lot of property damage also. So yeah. it's a real issue. For sure. some, some people think that it's relatively new, but it, it really isn't. When you go back, well, um, you know, I, I read this account and you can back me up if it's right or wrong. You can uh, contest it. But Macy's, uh, the great uh, you know, chain store that was once in Burlington, says that they had amongst their chains that was one of the highest for shoplifting, and that was one of the reasons why they left Burlington. I think, uh, you know, I, I was never able to confirm that, and I wasn't really able to confirm it with LLB neither, but that is the rumor on the street, you know, that um, the rumor on the street is some of those retailers here in Vermont, it is the highest rate of theft in many of their stores across the country. And, you know, when large retailers are saying that Vermont has some of the highest rates of theft across the country, yeah. that's an issue. Yeah. And, and, you know, you really don't think of Vermont in that way. So it's it's very surprising. Erin Sigrist is my guest this afternoon. She's the president of the Vermont Retail Grocers Association. If you have a question or comment, you'd like to talk with her, uh, phone lines are open here at uh, WDEV, one 291 825 or 802-244-1777. So I guess it really hasn't hit Vermont widespread yet. Uh, what do we need to do so it doesn't get to that level, you know, where we see it in Chicago, what we are seeing in, in California, San Francisco specifically? What is it that we need to do? What is it that we're not doing, Aaron? Yeah, great question. Um I wouldn't say that we aren't seeing it that level yet. I think we are. It's just we're a small state, so maybe we haven't reached those numbers. What do we need to do here in Vermont? Well, unfortunately, we haven't really been supporting our, our law enforcement in the sense that, um, you know, th- uh, uh, issues aren't being prosecuted, right? Yeah. And so when you're not prosecuting the theft, uh, law enforcement gets frustrated, and now it's not as much of a priority to show up as quickly. Yeah. Um, our law enforcement has – our force has decreased significantly, so there's not as not, – not enough capacity to show up. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a multi-pronged effort, I think, that we need to, to be working on. Several retailers across the state have hired private security you know, that's part of it, but we need to prosecute the the theft. We need to be supporting our law enforcement. And we really, you know, we've tried, um, we worked with a couple other organizations this year to introduce legislation that would have aggregated uh, a, a certain number of thefts within 14 days. Yeah. You know, so if you commit a crime or if you go in and steal from multiple stores within a 14-day time period, a two-week time period, you could, uh, we could aggregate all of those thefts and increase the penalties or the the incarceration time. 
um, we've met with some, we've been met with some pushback in the legislature yeah. when it comes to passing that legislation. But is that all done now, or is it are you still working on that? I know there's been some talk about. It. So you're still working on it. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, you know, all it was all but dead for a while, but I see that the House Judiciary Committee is taking it up again this week. So. You can bet that I'll be in there every day talking to mm-hmm. those legislators, really enforcing why it's it's necessary to yeah. be moving forward with some type of support yeah. for retailers. Um, you know, you guys want to – Well, what to- can we do? I mean, what can people do yeah. if you're listening today and you're hearing about what's going on in stores and you're obviously – you know, to think that, it, well, it's a victimless crime. It's not. It's not. Uh, you know, stores raise their prices. Who pays that? The paying well, customer and pays for that. Yeah, so so yes and no, right? Because we are in the age of Amazon. So yeah. small retailers especially cannot raise their prices to cover the cost of the loss, right? You can walk into a retail store down here in, in downtown Waterbury. Yeah. You, but you can also walk in there and pull up your phone and see how much it costs online, right? Yeah. So retailers don't have that luxury. So they're eating it. They're eating it out of the revenue that they bring in every year, yeah. the money that should be reinvested back into the communities, right? Um, so what can what can listeners do? Yeah. Contact your legislators. Let yeah. them know that this is an issue, that they're not supporting small retailers or the large retailers yeah. across the state. Large retailers, just like small retailers, employ your, your friends and neighbors. If we don't have retailers like you, like Macy's, right? Yep. They've left. Yeah. LL Bean. That's a big moved, hole. Right. Yeah. Those those employers no longer employ your friends and neighbors. So contact your legislators, let them know public safety is a priority and so is retail theft. It's a priority. We need to be addressing it. Right. Uh, so, you know, that's a great idea. You can contact your legislators and, and let them know what you basically it comes down to the people that do this need to be prosecuted. And, you know, the arguments on the other side that it's uh, these people are doing these things because they don't have money or it's feeding their drug addiction. So. You know, we battle it another way. You know, we take care of these problems and then that will go away. Right. You know, it's an argument. I, you know, I have a hard time reading that argument and looking into it. It's basically, you know, it's an old adage, but you do the crime, you do the time. Well, so yes, but you know, you, you make a good point. There are people out there um, who are addicted or do do not have the funds. We're not talking about the the people that steal one or two things. We're talking about the professionals, yes. right? Um, so the professionals, the ones that run in and steal a hundred, you know, hundreds of dollars every time that they walk into a store. They're doing it multiple times a day at multiple locations. There's the ones that need to be prosecuted. I, you know, I made the comment earlier. It's a multifaceted approach. You need to be prosecuting yeah. the the professionals. You need to be supporting those that are addicted with the programs that that are needed right. across the state. Um, you know, you need to be providing some rehabilitation. Unfortunately, it all takes it, it takes money, right? Yeah. And so, it can't be. It's not going to be a one a one and done fix. It's a it's a multi pronged approach. Legislators should be talking about it, um, not just not just throwing everyone in jail. Let's throw 30 of them in jail and set the precedent that we're yeah. not dealing with it anymore. Yeah. yeah. They, you know, it's, it's a small click. They all talk with each other when they see that happening. I mean, retailers, obviously, there's got to be some pullback. Retailers up in Chittenden County, they know them by name. Yeah. You know, they can pick them out. 
Yeah. Walking through the store, they know them by name. Does Vermont have a dollar figure? I know that we've heard about this nationally that, you know, anything under $999, you know, under $1,000, it's just a misdemeanor. And so it's 900. It is. Yes. Yeah. It's 900. And, you know, to, to put that into context, can I walk into your house and steal $900 worth of, of goods? No. No. Can't. So why should you be able to? Not without getting hit with a baseball bat. (laughs) Although I, you know, I I wouldn't, but. Right. But, but why, why should somebody be able to walk into a store, steal a thousand dollars worth of product and walk free? Right. And do it every day. And you know, when you think about it, I mean, depending on what kind of a store you're going into, to carry one thousand dollars worth of items out or nine hundred dollars worth of items, that's, um, you know, what do you got a cart behind you? I mean, that's a lot of stuff unless you're going into Gucci or a, or a Prada store, right? Well, you know. And there are those things happening, you know, these smashing grabs that they do. It's, yeah. It's, it's a real issue. And like I said, it's not a, it's not a one size fits all fix, but we need to be, we need to be having those conversations and we need to do something to, to set the, the new precedent that it's exactly. not okay. Yeah, Aaron Sigrist, my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie, the Vermont Retail and Grocers Association. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this. And we're also going to get into uh, an area that I love talking about. As you know, I love food, uh, the Vermont Specialty Food uh, Association, which you're also part of. And we'll find out about what makes Vermont so special with all these special foods. So we'll be right back with more on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. The waste and resource management industry is a complex, integrated system that many people and communities take for granted. Trash, recycling, compost, we're all familiar with the terms, but maybe not the truths behind the waste industry. Want to learn more? Beyond the Bin is a podcast by Casella, which shines a light on what really happens to our waste and recycling. If you're interested in environmental sustainability and renewable resources, then check out this podcast. You'll learn about waste and recycling, meet members of the Casella team, and one episode even deals with beekeeping. Check it out online at www.casella.com forward slash beyond the bin. Welcome back. Uh, good afternoon. Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo, along with Aaron Sigrist this afternoon, the president of the Vermont Retail Grocers Association. We're talking about uh, the health of the economy, retail uh, in Vermont, as well as we'll get into Vermont specialty foods in just a moment. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the changing face of retail. You know, you brought up Amazon just a moment ago, and I read a story uh, a few weeks ago about FedEx laying a bunch of people off, and immediately I thought, how can that be if people are buying so much online. Is that shifting now, Aaron? Is it changing a little bit? Are people going back to, to shopping in, you know, brick and mortar? Uh, so, yes, people are back. If we're looking, if we're comparing numbers today versus yeah. pre-pandemic, we are right back to pre-pandemic levels of people shopping in store. Um, but the online shopping continues to increase by yeah. double digit numbers every year so it's it was a bit surprising to see that um carriers were laying people yeah. off yeah um but also you have to think they also hire a lot of people during the holidays so maybe they were some of those temporary right. employees yeah typically ups has done that for years yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but no you know for better or worse uh online shopping isn't going away you know, it just makes it it makes it more difficult or more complex for uh, brick and mortar retailers yeah. to 
make sure that they have a presence, right? You need to be participating in social media. You better have a presence online. If you can have a store that is connected through social media, then you have more opportunity of people to um, not only be aware that you're still there, not, you know, keeping them top of mind, but also it, it increases your opportunity of people going to your website and buying online as well. How do you think Burlington's new mall, which took, my God, you know, I've been talking about that since, since well before I retired from my morning show, you know, about the, the mall in Burlington. And finally, it's underway and it seems like, boy, this isn't really a good time to be venturing into a, a retail establishment. How do you think that's going to do? And will it boost, you know, the economy in Burlington, you know, bring yeah, it back? I I think it's always Brick-and-mortar retail will always be here, right? First of all, you're always going to want to walk into a grocery store and pick up your products. Yeah. Or, you know, place place an order online, you're still going to have to go to the grocery store to pick them up. Yeah. Um, as far as online re- – or sorry, brick-and-mortar retail, you're absolutely going to still have those opportunities. It's a social event. Yeah. Brick-and-mortar is not going to go away, Right. It's just changing. It's it's becoming more complex for retailers to navigate, yeah. but customers are always going to want the opportunity to walk into sure. a retail store. Um, how is the mall going to do? I think it'll be okay, but I think we can all admit that Burlington is going through some, some struggles right now, yeah. and we need to ensure that we're there um, as community members to support those retailers that are downtown right. Burlington. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll see some changes over the next few years. I think we're going to have to fight our way out of it. I think major changes will have to happen. But um, at the end of the day, I think that the the mall and Church Street will will be stronger than it is right now. Yeah, people always love to go downtown, as they say, you know, right. do their shopping there. And it seems like if there is going to be any trend going forward, it's one where, uh, you know, you see people do this all the time. They'll buy something online, but they'll also, they'll buy it from the store that they're in, but they go into the store and they're able to see the product, try it on, see if they like it. And for them, it's just, it's easier to... Get the phone out and and purchase it. And yeah, that doesn't do make that sense way. to me. But it, but, but you know, people do people that. Do you know it, they yes. do that. Or maybe it's yeah. you know a, a product that they're buying and they're not buying it from the store, but they're buying that particular product. Yeah. So they need an outlet where they can go and actually look at it. So it seems like you know in the future stores will be getting smaller at some point, maybe right. Uh, yes, we are already seeing that. Um, you know, if you look at the Target in um, in Burlington, South Burlington. That's a small format store. Um, you know, it's not as large as the as the targets you'll find in a larger city, right? Um, yes, Vermont is seeing smaller format stores. I think that is certainly something that uh, we will continue to see. We will probably see stores move more toward the showroom kind of setup where yeah. you come in, you pick up the product, you hold on to it, you try it on, whatever, and then you Sometimes, yeah, you do leave and think about it and then go online and buy it, right? I think that's just, again, um, the landscape of retail has consistently changed, and it's going to consistently change through time, Um, and we're here for the ride, you know? 
April 8th, the big solar eclipse. Yes. We hear so much about this. How is retail and hospitality? I know hospitality already. They're saying 95% of the hotels, they're booked. Yeah. How, how, how is retail going to capitalize on all of that? You know, we're we're pushing it out to our members to remind them that we've got hundreds of thousands of people coming into the state. Um, you know, it's a great opportunity. I, I don't know um, if we'll do some sales. I don't know if our retailers are are certainly putting anything out there to entice them to come into their store. But I do know that there are pushes from other organizations to carry um, Eclipse-themed uh, items, yeah. you know. So some retailers are jumping on that opportunity. Um, I've had a conversation with Kathy Davis at the Lake Champlain Chamber, and um, one piece as far as hospitality is they're they're reaching out to all of the – Restaurants encouraging them to be open on a Monday. So yeah, if you're exactly. Right. Yeah. Please be open yeah. for those hundreds of thousands of people coming in. Um, you know, but retailers will be doing the same. They'll be ready to go, and yeah. you know, we'll be excited to have people in the stores. Yeah. Not to, not to knock it, but um, you know, I also heard a story the other day. There's an 85 percent chance it's going to be cloudy. Oh, let's not. <laughs> let's not. Very very possible here it's in going Vermont. To be a beautiful right. Day. It will, yes, it will be. It, it will, will be. be. A beautiful day. All right. Let's talk about Vermont Specialty Foods. This is a, an organization that you're also a part of. You're telling me that you have a new executive director yes. director coming on board? Yes. So I have served as executive director since uh, I took over almost nine years ago. Um, and it is, it's an amazing group of people. They're driven, they're thoughtful, they're incredibly creative and intelligent. And, um, you know, they, they have for a very long time needed a fully dedicated person to run the association or at least uh, focus on the association. Yeah. Vermont Specialty Food Association has been administered by Vermont Retail and Grocers Association for 20 years now. Um, so it's been, it's only been a part-time association. And I have been asking and pushing for that fully dedicated person for several years now. And we've just hired our first uh, fully dedicated executive director, Karen Chaffee. She was my director of membership and uh, development at VRGA. Um, she has assumed the executive director role, um, and I'm really excited to see where she takes the association. Uh, VSFA members are still VRGA members. Mm-hmm. They will still continue to have access to our benefits, and um, I will continue to lobby for them on their behalf in the state house. Uh, but they really needed somebody to take the association and run with it, and give it the full attention and acknowledgement that it deserves. Why do you think that Vermont has grown into such a specialty food niche? Uh, you know, when you talk about Vermont, you know, immediately people will think Ben and Jerry's. They're going to think Cabot cheese, uh, Green Mountain coffee. But there are so many others that are out there. A lot of them, the little small ones, you know, the mom and pops that started and then they grow into something big. Well, I mean, all of those that you just listed off, they all started as, as independent producers, right? As yeah. small, independent, probably in your your barn or your kitchen, um, you know, and and so that's, that's the goal. Why do people uh, love it? It's because 
we love that uh, homegrown, farm-to-table, yeah. delicious, quality food. But, I mean, it, it's grown outside of Vermont. People, when they see that Vermont on it, they they love yeah. it, right? Because, because we're known for that. We're, yeah. we're known for the value. We're known for um, good food. And so, you know, it's it's... It has grown, and I'm really excited to see it continue to grow. And how does the association um, protect the brand? And I'm reminded of a story about, I think it was Vermont Bread Company that had, that was the name of the company, Vermont Bread Company, and it wasn't made here. So, um, and I think somebody took them to court on it, and they had to drop Vermont. It's not a Vermont product. And they say, well, we're not really saying that it is. We're we're selling the Vermont. It's great bread. It's like something, you know, it's all about Vermont. but. It's not Vermont, so it's very misleading. How do you protect uh, that brand? Yeah, so I think that comes from part of the the Vermont Retail and Grocers Association. Not, I can't take uh, credit for it, but my predecessor, right, Jim Harrison. Um, you know, I think he was he was pivotal in helping legislation pass. It's called the Vermont Origin Law. So yep. you know, there are now requirements if you don't have at least fifty, if it's not 51% um, made here in Vermont, or if you aren't headquartered here in Vermont, then you can't use Great. the Vermont brand. Um, you know, there's, like I said, it's a law. Um, so I think we were pivotal in, in getting that law passed, but um, luckily we have we have backing from the legislature. You have an exciting event coming up on April 11th. This is going to be at the State House, am I correct? Uh, yes. Uh, specialty is, food and beverage tasting? Yes. So every year um, we do our Vermont Retail and Grocers Association Legislative Day where members meet with legislators and then uh, immediately following our specialty food producers set up um, at the State House. It's been at the Capitol Plaza in the past, but we've moved back to the State House this year. Um, we will have producers setting up to show legislators, um, you know, the value of supporting various grants right. or funding to the Agency of Ag and Agency of Commerce and Community Development, et cetera, to support these food producers and beverage producers um, as and allowing them to promote their products, expand their, their business. Um, and continue to put delicious food on the shelves for, for customers. This has to be one of the more um, fun events at the legislature it because been, yes, it's everybody been the most- gets – it's a food and, and drink tasting, correct? It is. Yeah. It is. And I should say it's – Any alcohol involved? <laughs> so <laughs> there might be tasting oh, available. Oh, good, good. Um, but, but I should say it's, it's not necessarily fully open to the public. It's for okay. producers and legislators of um, – and, and – yeah, I would and say members of your organization, members correct? Members of, yeah. of the associations, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, again, it's it's more of an educational opportunity. Um, but that being said, fingers crossed, yeah. because we did hire a fully dedicated executive director, maybe a, a public event could be well, open. Yeah, and you never know. You know, enough alcohol, you might get some legislation passed, uh, you know, later that well, day. <laughs> I will say that it's, it's, it's a little late in the session um, as far as getting legislation yeah, passed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, there, you know. Can't hurt. You're going to do what you can, right? Uh, VTRGA.org for more information. If you'd like to join the group, if you're in retail or if you want to find out more about the Vermont Specialty Food uh, Organization, it's VTSpecialtyFoods.org. All the information is there. If you're, you know, doing 
Um, like I know a lot of people that they're, they're making cookies, you know, Nicole, uh, Citro, my friend, the, you know, Cole's cookie, who is just, I mean, her yes. business is blown up. Yep. It's amazing. Uh, I was at the airport, uh, a couple of weeks ago and Breeze Airways is handing her cookies out. I said, beautiful. I'm glad, you know, a Vermont product is being handed out here. Yes. We're excited to say that, uh, Cole's is a member of Vermont Specialty Food Association. So, you know. It's it's the most delicious job in the state. I'll it tell you sure that. is. I, yeah. I envy your job. It was tough for me to get <laughs> oh, out, yeah. I'll tell you. But um, <laughs> I will always be a champion of, of specialty food producers and, and the association. Erin, sure. so nice to see you today. Thank, Thank you, you for, for joining me here me. in studio. I really appreciate yeah. it. And uh, stay in touch. We will. All right. Sure. All right. Uh, coming up next, it's Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. That's straight ahead right here on WDEV. When I'm on the road, I don't have to look very far for a place to fill my gas tank or my belly. Jolly Convenience Stores, with over 40 locations to choose from, makes it easy. Fuel for your car, fresh-made sandwiches, soft drinks, hot coffee, pastries, friendly service, and even creamies. Jolly Convenience Stores supports your community by sponsoring events, veteran organizations, and more. That's why I support them, and you should too. Stop in today. Jolly Convenience Stores, home of the Daily Smile. Let me tell you about my friends at Myers Bagel Cafe in Burlington. It's their new location, 408 Shelburne Road. They're open from 6 to 2 daily, Montreal-style wood-fired bagels. That means that they're cooked in a wood-fired oven. They're hand-rolled. They're honey-boiled. They've got delicious flavored cream cheeses and pastries like babka, you know, chocolate or cinnamon babka. Uh, and, of course, they smoke their own meats. Their sandwiches are just, they're exquisite. I mean, just a, a really, really creative menu. If you haven't been there, you need to get down there. It's uh, Even though the, the temperatures are kind of warm now, they still have soup on the menu, uh, as well as delicious breakfast sandwiches and lunchtime sandwiches. Sunday, a great place to go for brunch. If you want a nice Bloody Mary, they have a signature Bloody Mary. It's called a surf and turf with, just as you expect, a little beef in there, a little bit of shrimp and uh, Tito's uh, uh, Bloody Mary with with uh, Montreal Spice. Check it out at uh, Myers Bagel Cafe, 408 Shelburne Road in Burlington, 6 to 2. You can check them out online. You can put your order in ahead of time, MyersBagels.com. And don't forget, if you wear a Myers shirt or a Myers hat into the restaurant, when you put your order in, you'll get 10% off your order. So great, uh, great opportunity. It's time for the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. And Jeff Weld, the Director of Communications, joins me on the phone line this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, Charlie, how are you? I'm doing great, man. I, I can't believe it's the end of February here, and we're looking at possibly 60-degree temperatures next week or maybe even the middle of this week. But uh, unbelievable. Uh, the last time we talked, we talked about a push by the legislature for a new bottle bill that did not go through. But uh, I think some things might have been mischaracterized. For example, some things that do not make it to recycling. There was a lot of talk about some things not making it into recycling. So let's discuss that. What happens to those items that go in those uh, blue bins? Yeah, thanks, Charlie. I think, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things that get taken out of context. And when, when prolonged discussions like this, whether it's the bottle bill or, you know, we hear a lot of, people that are against single-use plastics and things like that, they, they make claims and, and they say things. They try to lump a lot of statistics together. And it really 
it ends up creating some confusion um, and really erodes some of the confidence that people have in, in their day-to-day recycling. So, you know, first and foremost, a lot of the statistics that get cited are for national um, rates and things like that. Here in Vermont, we're recycling at a, at a nation-leading rate. Uh, Vermonters do an exceptional job. Our contamination rates are among the lowest in the nation. We're, we're right around 12% coming through our facility. Um, and what that means is uh, uh, contamination to some people just think, people think, oh, that means that, you know, 12% of the recyclables that come into that facility aren't being recycled. And that's simply not the case. Yeah. What contamination actually means is 12% of the material that comes into our facility doesn't belong there to begin with. So then that material has to go uh, to disposal, which is where you should have put it to begin with. Or if it's one of those sort of one-off things like a battery or, you know, other materials that should have been returned to the store to be recycled that should have gone there. So, you know, it's really really about clearing up some misinformation and making sure that we're all doing our part to to recycle more and recycle better um, uh, every day. Well, Jeff, what can we do as consumers to make it easier for the recycling centers and make sure that it does get made into new products? What is it that we should be doing? Well, I think the, the biggest thing is that in, a, in terms of household recycling, keeping things clean, rinsing your containers out, making sure that it's containers that are going in, mixed papers, cardboards, things that you you automatically look at and you say, okay, that's recycling. If there's a question about whether or not something belongs in your household recycling bin, refer to our website, casella.com slash recycle better. Check out your local transfer station. They have signage there. You'll understand it a bit more. And if you, and, and when in doubt, throw it out. I mean, that's the, the biggest thing here is that more than likely, if you have a question it, it's probably not something that belongs in your household recycling. Yeah. And it'll end up in disposal stream anyways. And, you know, if it's something like a garden hose or wires or things like that, that does get to our facility and does get into the machinery, it'll tangle up. It creates some That's safety right. issues. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's really about how can we all work better together? Um, you know, and even things like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, misunderstanding out there about, you know, how we view the, the bottle bill, for example. We we love the outcomes of the bottle bill, right? We we've seen it for fifty years in the state be a be a good thing. What we're what we're concerned about is expanding that, creating redundant systems, creating more confusion in the marketplace, and then eroding value from the recycling stream. So that's really what this is all about. It's let's try to get everybody on the same page calm down, slow down, think clearly, visit the website, understand what's being recycled, where it's going. We have some great videos there if you're interested in understanding what happens to your plastics when it gets recycled. Does it get made into a new fleece jacket for the winter? Does it get made into a dashboard? Does it get made into a new water bottle? So, I mean, there's a lot of good information there. And I think before we, you know, take some of these national articles that want to want to paint recycling as dead or not working to take a step back, take a, a view into reality and understand that, you know, we're, we're all recycling a, a whole lot in Vermont. 
Um, this past year, uh, our company as a whole, throughout our footprint, recycled over a million tons of material. Yeah, not to mention your state-of-the-art facility, Jeff, right? I mean, not to mention the, yeah, the, I mean, your state-of-the-art facility that you have now. Yeah, I mean, the, the facilities, it's amazing, Charlie. I mean, um, even in the last five years, we've invested well over $20 million into these facilities, and they're producing a much higher grade product than other facilities anywhere. That means that the people on the other end that are buying that material are always coming back to us knowing that we have the highest quality material to sell. So that maintains that, that consistent market. Right. So we don't have to worry about some of the ups and downs that maybe some other regions in the country do. Right. The material is a great spec. Our facilities are top-notch, and they're constantly being reinvested in. For more information on recycling or if you're looking uh, for a dumpster at your house, you're doing a big cleanup or just a uh, you, you know, weekly uh, trash pickup, casella.com. All the information is on the website, casella.com. Jeff Weld, Director of Communications. Jeff, always good to talk with you, and we look forward to talking with you next month. Thanks for joining us today on Travels with Charlie. Yeah, thanks for having me, Charlie. Get out there and enjoy some early spring. Absolutely. You will do. Our winter. Second winter here coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope not. Uh, Coming up next, uh, the new owners of WDEV, Scott Milne and Myers Mermel, join me right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you. Guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.millatravel.com. Welcome back, Travels with Charlie. Remember, you can listen to the podcast of this show and past shows at WDEVradio.com. And, of course, podcasts are also available on my Instagram account, Charlie underscore Papillo. I've got the, the videos from my travel series as well as the radio broadcast here. And welcome to the new owners of WDEV. Of course, Scott Milne has been a guest on this program many, many times, as well as going back to my previous show. And Myers, I just had an opportunity to meet you uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So welcome to Travels with Charlie. He's on the hot seat now, and, <laughs> and here we go. So good afternoon, guys. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Uh, got to do it. Uh, just a, a quick uh, talk about what's going on on the airlines. Uh, they've raised baggage fees again, Scott. I look at this and I go, why don't you just ra- you know raise the price of your ticket? Nobody would know, and you don't get any bad press. Why do you, you know five bucks extra for checked baggage? Come on, give me a break. Well, it was uh, eight billion dollars a year of profit. Without the five bucks, so I think it just went up to nine billion dollars a year. Profit. Well, don't tell us; just do it. <laughs> there's there it, there's a lot going on with the way uh, businesses are going to be merchandising things. It's too long for this show, but it ties okay. into one of the values of community radio, yeah, and why being able to have somebody like Charlie talk to people like Myers and have a real conversation versus getting some. Uh, Special deal just for you, Charlie, <laughs> that is, uh, you know, they either realize you're going to buy from them anyway and it's a high price or they realize you're not going to buy unless it's a good price. And it's sort of 
the opposite of what I would call the Vermont tradition of fair pricing for everybody, right? So uh, the airlines are getting better at it, and I would argue you need people like Milne Travel to help uh, level the playing field for you. All right. That's it for the uh, free plugs for for Milne Travel. Let's talk about (laughs) WDEV Myers Mermel along with uh, Scott Milne. How did the two of you meet Myers? Well, actually, we were introduced by Glenn Wright, who was the successor trustee to Ken Squire and was handling uh, the sale of the station. And he thought that we had a lot in common and that we should meet and talk. And we had met before, but Mm -hmm. we didn't know each other well. And we found a a common love for this station and for what it provides to the community and felt it was something that needed to be saved. Scott, you've always been a strong supporter of of local programming and radio, you know, whether it's here at WDEV. Uh, you're a sponsor of my program, Travels with Charlie, and you were a sponsor uh, many years ago when I was on that other radio station. So you're very passionate about radio. Um, why are you so passionate about it? Well, I um, a few years ago, I bought a small failing branch of a family business in West Lebanon, New Hampshire, uh, that had one employee with about three months experience when we took it over. And uh, our marketing department, basically for five years when we built that by about 40X, was the sales guy slash consultant from the local radio station. So I saw firsthand the power of uh, being honest with people and having people hear your voice and hear your message on local radio and uh, what that can do to create jobs and build a business. So I've been a big believer of it. And uh, even before that, I sold a few rabbits at Easter by calling Bob Bannon <laughs> at uh, WSKI. And, uh, you know, he used to do his joke about, well, Scott, you're out there in Washington, right? Well, if you buy rabbits from Scott, Bill Emery's going to pick them up and deliver them to you. So I've got a good history with radio, and I believe in it. And it's, uh, you know, meeting people like you and having you call me when you were starting this show and, seeing there's a return on investment for my company, but also a uh, opportunity to help you out as you're starting something new. Much appreciated. Uh, and Myers is a, uh, just a, a great guy who's put his personal life on hold to really uh, make sure, you know, obviously big shoes to fill with the Squire family. Yeah. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do. We're learning a lot. Myers is really doing the heavy lifting. I'm here kind of to tell jokes and talk about uh, fun stuff and <laughs> And Myers is uh, just uh, very, very impressive with the progress we're making here. Where does your passion come from, Myers, this this passion for radio? Well, I ran for office in 2022, and I saw how central DEV was, and really talking to all of the people across all different lines in the state, and felt it was a very important thing. And especially in this time of national turmoil, um, radio, community radio particularly, allows people to – to talk across divisions and actually find common ground. Right. And we feel that, that, and that's really an overarching mission right in this time of turmoil, to provide a, a peaceful place or a safe space where people can discuss and debate ideas. And as the leading news and talk station, we want to continue with that in, in the state and and help people understand each other. It's one of the reasons why we're um, pushing uh, forward again with deeper coverage on town meeting day a uniquely Vermont institution where people get to see each other and yeah. hear, hear the, themselves out, which is really critically important for our democracy. What is it that you see and hear at WDEV that makes you want to preserve the almost 100 years of local broadcasting? That's that's great heritage. I see you, right? I see you and all the people with you 
and that's something that needs to be preserved. And uh, driving around, listening on the radio, knowing that I'm I'm hearing the same thing and being part of a community is very much something I want to be a part of. What do both of you see as some of the challenges here in 2024 in running a radio station, programming a radio station? Much has changed when, since I first got into radio and then going back to the heritage of, of WDEV, social media did not exist. Uh, and that, it's, I think it's a game changer. What do you see as some of the changes and how do you capitalize on it, Myers? Well, it's a it's a game changer if you're a social media company, but um, do I but mean, you have to participate in social media even well, no, as a you, radio broadcaster. No, you, well, we do, and yes. we offer digital products, yeah. but it's often possible for people to click through, you know, that YouTube ad, whereas you can't click through a radio ad, and uh, you know, unlike digital products, nobody's hacking your radio. Nobody's trying to steal your bank account information from the radio, yeah. and it's free. And it's free. It's free. Exactly. So yeah. it's a it's a much more de- small d democratic institution, and that's something that, that that we're pursuing. We're offering digital, and in certain areas, it can be quite effective. But radio has a great. Of, what we're finding from advertisers is that, especially on these issue advocacy in, in these issue advocacy areas, they want to build grassroots support, and they're able to do that much more effectively, like Physicians for Healthy Communities or AARP. They want to build grassroots support for what they're seeing in Montpelier, and so they're coming on the radio to talk to the community about what exactly – uh, their views are the new owners of WDEV in studio with me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. If you have a question or comment, eight zero two two four four seventeen seventy seven. Keep Danny McGivergan busy back there. Light up the lines one eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. One of the things that we've heard about recently with the electric car industry. They, they're not putting AM radios in some of these cars. You know, I had a discussion with the president of the uh, Vermont Association of Broadcasters and there's some theories on why they don't want to do that. They can obviously sell things in the, in the, you know, on the, on the dashboard. Uh, and one of the things they don't want there is AM radio, but there's also this, this feeling that, um, you know, some people don't like what AM radio stands for because let's face it, most AM radio stations today are talk. There's some talk, sports, music. This one's very, very different, and a lot of them lean towards the conservative side. So there are some people in Washington. I don't try to get not too political today, but there's some people in Washington that would like to have, in my opinion, less AM radio around. What are your thoughts, Myers? Well, you should ask George Soros, too, because he just bought bought the senior debt behind Odyssey, right, which is the third largest radio station owner in the country. So obviously George Soros on the left, doesn't think that radio is a bad idea. (laughs) But Vermont is left, center, left. And in order to reflect the opinions of Vermont, right, this station has to address everyone. Right. Right. And so the the talk, news, sports is, you know, to the extent that there is, um, you know, in the talk segments, it would be more left than it would be right. But what we try to do is preserve the squire legacy of even-handedness and nonpartisanship and telling both sides of the issue. Scott, uh, your thoughts on any changes to future programming? What, you know, what do you like here? What would you like to see more of? Uh, 
uh, Myers is going to get Tesla to become an advertiser in light of your comments about AM radios. We're, I'm, I'll, I'll track down Elon's phone number. You make the call, okay, Myers? And, uh, That's why we brought Scott along. He's absolutely right. He's here for the, here for the jokes. Well, how about Keep a satellite light. or two for transmission? That would help. Yeah, that's right. We wouldn't have to keep painting those towers up on Blush Hill. I, I, as, you know, when we were, again, Glenn Wright, who I didn't know well, but, you know, renowned Vermont, uh, business, uh, savant of all kinds of things, uh, a sort of fixed Myers and I up on a blind date when we were both talking to him about this as, uh, potential collaborators where we had uh, overlapping skill sets. And, um, you know, I think, uh, what Myers and I first talked about is, you know, this is one of the most valuable brands in, not today in Vermont, but really in Vermont history. If you yeah. think about the Squire family and what they built here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being part of not seeing this disappear. Some big shoes it, to fill. Even if it disappears yeah. from an electric car here yeah. and there. Jim uh, from Barry joining us on the phone. He has a question for uh, my guest this afternoon, Myers Mermel and Scott Milne, the new owners of WDEV. Jim, go ahead with your question. Good afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Hi. Good afternoon, Charlie. <clears throat> good afternoon to and congratulations to, to you, Scott, Myers. Um, Thank you. Mary and your mom would be very proud of you and, and really uh, very supportive of the idea of keeping WDEV alive. Um, <clears throat> I've been listening to DEV way back before Mark Johnson, I think, but Mark Johnson is my first recollection of talk shows that I called into a lot. And the, the subsequent ones uh, as well, open mic and so forth. But I'm always amazed about when I call in the number of people that I'll see in the next week or so. Says, oh, I heard you on DEB. I don't give my name or anything, and they seem to recognize. But a lot of people listen right. to DEB. That's always a great indication that people are listening, Jim. When you, you know, I used to hear this all the time when I had guests on my program, and they'd come and tell me that they'd get down to the state house and they'd say, "Well, they were listening today when we were discussing such and such." Jim, I'd like to keep you longer, but uh, we've we've got just a couple of seconds left here on uh, travels with Charlie. Thank you for joining us today, guys. Any closing comments? I know you know the FCC still has to approve everything, so. Uh, no papers have been signed yet, right? Oh, no. Or, papers have been yes, signed yeah. and, and money's changed hands. Oh, but, okay. Uh, but that starts the whole process, yeah. and we don't expect the license to be transferred until a couple months later. But yeah. everything's working well together, and it seems like we've had really good response from the advertisers. Of course, you come in, and it's a change, but yeah. I think everybody appreciates sort of the, the the order that we're bringing to things and we're trying to make things yeah. more streamlined in, in the back side, well, back office side. Good luck to you. Best best wishes. Thank uh, you. Certainly, Thank you. as we've stated, uh, you know, some big shoes to fill here and right. a lot of heritage and really appreciate that the two of you see the importance of that and are – Going to go ahead and continue it. Scott, thanks for joining us today. And Charlie, we're so happy to have you with us. Thank you for the, all that you do and for the community. Love doing it. This is, this is what I enjoy Please doing. Please don't leave. I won't. Right. I won't. Thank right. you. Hey, my next show is coming up on March 11th. We're going to be celebrating Pie Day. Uh, you know, 314 is Pie Day. It's going to be a pizza day. Scott, if you want to stop in with a maple cream pie, you're welcome to do it. <laughs> Travels with Charlie. We'll be back with you on March 11th. Thanks to Casella Waste, Jolly Convenience, Milne Travel, Myers Bagel Cafe. Uh, of course, my executive producer, Brad Furlan. Theme song written and performed by Billy Bratcher. Behind the glass, running all the dials and everything. Give it up for Danny McGivergan. I'm Charlie Papillo, and I'll see you in my travels. Have a great day.